Those of you in Sunday school this morning might get a little repetition, but not just repetition, there'll be more. And there'll be a challenge as we go through, as there always is from Scripture. I read Isaiah 53 because Peter refers to Isaiah 53 and also to Psalm 16 and some other passages, so I wanted to be able to pick up on those as we went through and also add other Scripture to this. We're in 1 Peter, and we're starting with chapter, uh, verse, verse 10, and we're going to finish the chapter. If everything goes smoothly, we'll finish the chapter. Surprise, this will be quick. And uh, you're going to have to listen fast, you know, to keep up. So, As we look into these scriptures, what happens is, is Peter now goes from... Uh, reminding you that you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And now he's going to talk about how this came about and some of the things we need to know. And it's interesting as he does that, he's eventually going to get to our holiness, to the result of our holiness, to how we stand before God, and then ultimately to, okay, now what do you do with this? And we're going to do all of that today and finish this chapter. I don't know what I'm doing next week. You'll be surprised, just like me. But this is the message for today. And as we go through this, I want you to catch the effort, the, the amount of work that went into providing a testimony to us about Jesus Christ and how far back this testimony goes. So we're going to read these first uh, First section, 10 through 12, and then we're going to talk about it. It says, Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that will follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have been now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Now, as you read that passage, sometimes we lose some of what is there. I put down as my title, to be or not to be. Now, then I put in parenthesis, to be like Christ not like the world. To be or not to be. As we look into 1 Peter and this, these first two verses, we end up back in other passages. Old Testament prophecy was written for us. Prophecy about the Messiah was written for us because it would be our testimony of a Messiah who would come and die for us. Remember, when he came, the Jews seemed to not understand that that would be what happened. They were, were ignoring him. They, in fact, they became enemies of him. And henceforth, he was put on a cross. 
But here he says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of that grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care. They wanted to know when it was going to happen. When would this occur? What would it be like? They searched the scriptures, the prophets put in words for us. And in fact, it says just a little bit later, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So when we look at some of these passages, he's saying these things were written for you. So that you would recognize the salvation that Christ brought to you. So when we went back to Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 to 6 remind us, uh, he took up our pain, he bore our suffering, he was punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment brought on, uh, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was written for our sake. So that we would recognize it. 10 and 11 comes through with a similar approach, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and he will be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Now, I read that for several reasons. One, it does give an allusion to the fact he's going to rise from the dead. He's going to live. When this was all over, he would see the light of life. There would be life there. That, that comes up again uh, in uh, Psalm 16, this idea of him not decaying. And, and that scripture, 16 and verse 10 says, uh, well, he starts with, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. He won't do that. He would bring him back after he suffered and bring him back to life. And so the resurrection of Christ, even in the Old Testament, is referred to. And as he shares, he reveals that in these last times for us, this was written, prophets were serving us. The recorded evidence uh, regarding the Messiah's suffering, his death, his resurrection, was all recorded for us. And the remarkable thing is, it says at the end, even Angels looked into it. The only angels don't have that opportunity. They either serve because they've determined to serve God forever, or they've gone the other way and have become demons who will fight God forever and then sent to the lake of fire. But the angels, they're interested. God loves us. Why? Why did he send the Messiah to die for us? They're interested in understanding 
a holy God who cared for a people who were sinful. So he gets done with that section and reminds you what Christ did for, for you. And now he says, uh, you're called to be set apart. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Or literally, you shall be holy because I am holy. And we're going to discuss that in a minute. Therefore, he says, set your hope on the gracious return of Christ with minds alert and fully sober. Watch for him. Be alert. Be aware. Your hope is secure and he's coming. And he wants you to be aware, alert, sober about life, serious about Christ. Not semi-serious. Not, okay, I came to know Christ and, and now I'm set. That's, that's great. You're set. But what will it be like to enter heaven if you do nothing else but believe? God wants us to serve. He wants us to be aware. He wants us to be part. And here, he reminds us that part of that is as obedient children, we need to not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, we can all go back and look at our lives before we came to Christ. Some of us took longer, you know. There's some here that took longer than me. I was almost 18 when I came to know the Lord. And I felt like I was chief of sinners then. And God changed me. That doesn't mean it hasn't been a battle since. Because I still have the old sin nature and I still struggle. And I still get tempted by Satan to do things I shouldn't do. But he says, don't live there anymore. Don't live in the ignorance of those evil desires. That's not where you belong. You're different now. You're not like the world. So live differently. Be different. You know, it's interesting. One of the things I often think of is sometimes the Lord called us to live beyond the law. And by that, he didn't say, don't follow the law. He said, go beyond it. Do better than what the law says. Just the idea of you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and a little while later you're going to find out he's calling you to love one another the way he loves you. That's going to call you to do beyond the law. You won't live just by the law because the law is not good enough. You're going to go beyond that. You're going to live differently. Things may not have the outcome you thought they would have. Maybe you'll actually leave someone off the hook and it will win them to Christ. Who knows? But as Christians, we live differently, not in the ignorance of those evil desires. Why do we have to change? But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. He wants you to be set apart, different. The world ought to notice you. They ought to notice that you're different. 
if the world doesn't notice, we're not different enough. And I don't mean weird different. We can be weird different, you know. I, I, I'm weird. My, my wife will tell you that. Some of my jokes, she'll talk about my jokes all the time because I tell old man jokes. And I don't, is that what you call them, old man jokes? Dad jokes, that's what they call them, dad jokes. And some of them aren't so good. I think they're funny. My daughter thinks they're funny. My wife and my son, they just roll their eyes and keep on going. But the bottom line is, we ought to be different. We ought to be so different that the world wants to know why. You know, I, I still struggle when I drive car. You know, you drive a car and you're driving around people and you know how to drive. You spent all your life learning. You learned from a dad who made sure you knew everything. Get on the left side when you turn left. Get on the right side when you turn right. Don't drive down the middle of the road and turn. Don't go to the right side to turn left. Don't go to the left side to turn right. So I get behind somebody and they do all those things. My old sin nature wants to come up and, boy, I'd love to just go and give them a piece of my mind. Why don't you learn how to drive? My wife sometimes will put her hand on my, just calm down, honey, calm down. I try not to let it get to me because that's my old nature. That isn't the way I should be reacting. I should be reacting by, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I still love them. If I had a chance, I'd tell them about Christ. I'd have that in my framework. Doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it does. Doesn't happen all the time. I'm striving to do better. I, I preach this message, you know, I get preached to before I get here. I've, I've been hammered by God over things that I needed to take care of. And so here he says, therefore, set your hope on the gracious return of Christ with minds alert. Be obedient, not conformed to the evil desires of the world, but be, in essence, transformed by renewing your mind. Be holy. As God your Father is holy, so live holy, set apart. Uh, Leviticus 11.44, where some of this quote comes from in 11.45. In 45 it says, And you shall be holy because I am holy. So you got two parts to this holiness thing, you know. One is, when Christ came into you, he made you holy. And you shall be holy because he is. That's, a, that's an emphasis. It must be because he is holy. And you take on the robe of Christ's righteousness, his holiness. But as you walk it out, guess what? You have to learn to live that way. You have to change your life. You have to become like him and not stay in the same place where you started. You're different now. You're his. And he says, so you've got to be set apart from those evil desires to the works of a righteous God. You want to live God's way now. You don't want to live your way. You know how hard it is to give up old habits? I thought for a long time I brushed my teeth with a regular toothbrush. You know, squeezing back in there, trying to get in. I even learned from the, from the dentist I should close my mouth a little bit more so I can get to the back ones better because you can't get in there without it. And, uh, and then my wife says, I really can't use this toothbrush. How about you use it? 
took me a while to decide to try it. And then I started using this, uh, what, what's it called, I forget, anyway, it's one of those electric ones. I started using it, I love it. But man, it took me a while to decide to use it. I love that electric tooth. See, old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. We have a lot of habits that were from our evil desires. And God wants us to change. There's lots of different parts of our life we're like that. Whether it's what we read, what we watch, where we go, how we talk. We have lots of parts of our life that God wants us to change to be like him. He doesn't want us to be the same. Our, our own temper, our desire to control things. You know who's really in control, don't you? Doesn't matter how hard you try to control it, God is in control and it may not go your way no matter what you do. It just may not because that may not be the way God wants it to go. So you start looking at this, you start looking at trying to be like Christ, to be like God, to take on that holiness. So he, he brings this up and then he, he jumps back once more and he says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. Remember, the prophets revealed to you the Messiah for these last times. He was revealed in these last times. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now, he paid the price. He's the one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your, bo with your body. I can't. I don't know if that's what that says. I might have to look that up. Uh, I think that's what it says. That was First Corinthians six twenty. I can't read my writing. Sorry. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God or glorify God with your bodies. So, uh, it's not enough that you do not have enough money. There's not enough money in the whole world to pay for your sin. There's not enough you can do to pay the price for your sin. There's not enough sacrifice you can sacrifice to pay the price for your sin. Without the Messiah dying for you, there was no payment that would be big enough to take care of your sin. So in coming to Christ and realizing who he is, we must realize that he paid the total price for our sin. So who are we indebted to? Who is owed our life and our allegiance and our love and our holiness? To who do we owe that? To who do we owe being different than the rest of the world, no matter what the laws are, that we live a life beyond the law that does things that don't seem normal 
that the rest of the world looks at and look what he changed. He didn't do what he could have done here. He did it differently. He lived in the way God wanted him to live. So here he brings you to that. No one else could pay even if they, no one else would pay even if they could. The blood of the Messiah, the perfect Lamb of God, God the Son, only he could afford the cost. Think about that. All those different parts. The blood of the Messiah come to one day be the king of the Jews, but came knowing he would die. The perfect Lamb of God had to be perfect. No blemish. Because he's dying for all of our sin. God the Son, who by all rights shouldn't have come. And yet he loved you and came to die for you. Only he could afford the cost. And he came willing to pay that cost. Chosen before the world, prophesied in the Old Testament revealed to us in this last time. Through him, Jesus Christ, we believe in God. God who raised him from the dead, glorified him. Our hope and faith is in him. Everything about who we are rests in Jesus Christ now. He created us. He brought us into his family. He's changing us. And we need to be ready to change. So then, if all this is true, what's the result? This is where, you know, I start stepping on toes, probably. At least Peter does. The Lord does. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth... So that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. In a minute I'll go to that next phrase to emphasize something, but here he says, now that you have purified yourselves, now that you have set yourselves apart, now that you are in a different place, Because you are born again, how shall we live? He says, now that I've come into your life and you love me and I love you, love one another. Now he doesn't just say, love one another, warm fuzzies. He says, love one another with a sincere heart, deeply Love one another. You know, you come to church a lot of years, it's pretty easy just to know people. Don't know enough to love them because you don't get involved enough to love them. We need to have fellowship that allows us to love one another. We need to have enough interest to drop in and say hello once in a while. Not just the four deacons or five deacons now. Not just them. Everybody. You know, there's nothing more encouraging for me than somebody who shows up at my house just to have a cup of coffee with me or invites me to breakfast just to spend some time together. 
Any, anybody can do that. You can do that with each other. You can get to know each other's needs. Guess what? You start doing that and what will start happening? God will burden you with their needs. Maybe you'll be the one who can meet them. You never know. God has a way about doing things, but we have to be willing to change. And he's brought us into this relationship with him and he's expecting a change. Because you are born again of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Love one another sincerely, deeply from the heart. Let God take over your head and heart. I've quoted several verses in the last few days, and this one I'll turn to, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, is a passage that you've heard over and over again, and I've been quoting from Colossians, so I thought I'd try something a little different instead of quoting the same passage over and over again. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, in everything God does, he will humble us. He will humble us so that we see things in a different way so we respond differently to those around us. Because the way I think I should respond may not be right. Sometimes I see somebody and I think, boy, I'd just like to whip them into shape. If I could just teach them what I think they need to know. You know? I've often thought, boy, if I see a young kid that's not acting right, nice belt on the rear end might straighten that out. You know, I think of those things. Don't any of you ever think of that? Yeah. But you know, it may not be the best thing. I know children that if you'd paddled them on the bottom, they would have been worse than ever. You had to take a whole different approach to help them. And then I know people that needed that on the rear end so that they would feel more secure, like somebody really cared for them. But I have to get in touch with God, and then I have to get to know them. That takes effort. That doesn't come easily. John and I spend quite a bit of time together. Uh, go out to breakfast and stuff, and we share things that are on our heart about church and, about, and, and even uh, keep each other straight. He's been my accountability partner for a long time, and I got to hold him to that, you know, keep me accountable. And, uh, but I get to know him. And as you get to know somebody, you know different ways to pray. You know certain things you can do for them. You start to be a part of their life. They're a part of the family. All of you are part of this family. But you can't interact in this family if you don't come and be a part of it. That's why I look out today and I think, wow, this is great. People are out to church. This is wonderful. Need more fellowship. So you know each other's needs. 
So you can be a part of each other's life. So you can interact. That's what he's asking you to do. He goes on and says, uh, the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That also, that comes out of Isaiah as well, Isaiah 46 through 8. But I won't have to turn there because I just read it to you. That's basically what's in Isaiah 40. And this is a reminder to us. How long are you going to be around? On this earth. I know if I said, how long are you going to live? As Christians, how much life do you have left? What? Forever. 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 Yeah, I heard some whispering going on. I wanted it a little louder. You got forever. But how long are you going to be here? If the Lord comes tomorrow, none of us will be here. But if he doesn't come tomorrow, some of us are going before others. Guaranteed, if he doesn't come for 100 years, most of us won't be here. Probably all of us. Life is short. You think about grass, you know, grass grows up and then it withers away. And other things are like that. And the bottom line is, life is short. It's over with quick. I think part of the reason Peter puts this in here is he's trying to remind us that God gives us something more enduring and a more enduring purpose to live for. A more worthwhile purpose. My challenge out of this is that we live differently not steeped in the world's ways, but with sincere love in God's way, that we would look at things and ask God for the best perspective because maybe the world has it wrong. You think? I'd say most of the time the world does have it wrong. And when it comes to relations and all the things that happen, even in families, we need to live the way God wants us to live not the way the law tells us to live. Because if we live the way God wants us to live, we're living beyond the law. We'll not only be able to fulfill the law, but we'll go way beyond the law. And we'll live in a way that nobody can think is possible. That's when you get heads turning. When you start doing things in a way that nobody expects. Because you love the Lord. So as I went through these passages, I thought, wow, God just kind of hit me between the eyes here. And this all happens, he says, and this is the word that was preached to you, or Romans 1, 16 and 17, you know. Uh, now I won't be able to quote it. I can always quote that passage. So notice what happens to me. I've had, you know, I was under the influence of anesthetic. That's what I'm going to say. It has nothing to do with my, my mind. My mind's not losing things. Yeah. My eyes are rolling in case you can't see them. Uh, the Romans, one that uh, talks about the gospel of Christ, and it says, uh, 
For I am not ashamed, there we go, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed. He brought you the gospel. You believed. Your life is his. He paid the price. You were bought with a price. So is my challenge. Then serve him. Live for him. Find your spot in this church. Your, whether you're a toe, an ear, a brain, a heart, I don't care. You know, every part of the body is important. You don't want to lose any of your parts, do you? I don't want to lose any of mine. I have a few extras now. Pacemaker, stimulator. I got all kinds of extra parts. Pretty soon I'll be bionic. They keep doing it to me. But the bottom line is, you wouldn't want to lose any of your parts. If you lose your eyes, you can't see. That changes your whole life. If you lose your ears, you can't hear. Some of us are getting that way. We don't hear as well. But the bottom line is, Every part of the body is necessary for the body to operate the way God wants it to. You are all part of the body. And it's important that you're involved. It's important that you know one another. It's important that we love one another deeply because God says so. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you are an amazing God. You work in our lives in such a way that, Lord, when we really think about it, we just want to serve you. We just want to live for you. But it's easy for the world to get into our head, Lord. Help us to not allow that to happen. To transform us by the renewing of our mind. To change us through your word that we might, in this family, love one another and care for one another deeply with a sincere heart, as, as you have asked. Help us, Lord, to recognize that we are yours and to put ourselves in your hands, that we might be like your Son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to give up even all of his riches of glory to come and die for us. And now we become joint heirs. Lord, we don't deserve it. But we are grateful that you've made us part of your family. Help us to truly respond as a family. In Christ's name, amen. Open up our hymn books. Tim number 397. 397. I love him. 397. Gone from my heart, the world and all its charms. Now through the blood, I'm saved from all alarms. Down at the cross, my heart is bending low. 
The precious blood of Jesus cleanses white as snow. I love him, I love him, because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. Once I was lost upon the plains of sin, once was a slave to passions fierce within, once was afraid to meet an angry God, but now I'm cleansed from every stain through Jesus' blood. I love him, I love him, because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. Once I was bound, but now I am set free. Once I was blind, but now the light I see. Once I was dead, but now in Christ I live to tell the world around the peace that he doth give. I love him, I love him, because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. Gracious Father, thank you for this time to be in the house of the Lord as we say, but really, Lord, for the family to come together to worship you. Thank you for this time that your people, your children, would worship you and look to you. Help us as we hear your word to respond to it. Lord, to become more and more like you and to do those things that are not like the world. Help us to be obvious your disciples, that others will know that we are indeed your disciples because of our love one for another. Thank you, Father, for this time together in Christ's name. Amen.